Welcome to my so-called Opera Life, a podcast for opera singers by opera singers, where we work to connect, inform, empower, and inspire musicians at all levels and stages of their career. Each episode, we'll explore a piece of the never-ending puzzle of the so-called opera life, humble brags and therapeutic complaints, as well as practical information about how this business works. Each piece helping you on your journey towards success, which we believe should really mean happiness. I'm Marcel. And I'm Elise. And we're two sopranos trying to live our best so-called opera lives. Well, we made it through a season of my so-called opera life during, literally started at the start of quarantine on March, what did we release that first episode? Um, It was 30th, March 30th, we released it. Yeah, we released the both of them on the 30th, and I feel like, but we had recorded those two episodes two days apart. Yeah, ten days apart, they were like right. So we, it was, it was like March fourteenth or something. Yeah, I think that first first time we recorded, and we had completely different feelings at that time. (laughs) I was like Mrs. Roses. (laughs) I just was like, we're gonna be fine. I like started learning Queen of the Night. Like, right? Well, this is my opportunity to just catch up on things that I that I wouldn't have done otherwise and we're gonna right. just get through it right I was a little more scared because I could immediately see like in my church job we were coming up on holy week and mm. I was immediately like my biggest paycheck of the year might not show up right but I was definitely more in like we'll be out of this by June we'll quarantine for a couple of months it's gonna be fine Right. Same thing. Like, oh, I'm getting so much practicing done. I'm practicing rep I've wanted to work on forever. Let me ma- have my pianist make me a bunch of study recordings that admittedly, like, I haven't used once. It's, we were just, well, you know, I process things by not processing them. <laughs> and I just think, figure out what I'm going to do. That's how I process. I'm like, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. Because sometimes I think I don't value that processing as much as I value whatever I'm going to do about it. Like, that's just, you know, the how my family is. Who cares how you feel? What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? <laughs> that's so funny. I mean, I I feel like early in quarantine, because I was pretty sure we were going to be out of it in a few months, like, I knew I was anxious about it all, but I was definitely more... Um, you know, like, oh, well, same, just like, what can I do to get us through this time? What can I do to help my community through this time? I started doing our nightly Compline club with that some was... fellow musicians for like our, for our community. Yeah. And we're still doing that. We're like coming up on 200 days. Crazy. It's crazy. We've stopped posting them to YouTube, but I, I, I know that I didn't hit the wall until June mm-hmm. where all of a sudden my body was like. Uh, you need to process this shit because <laughs> this isn't going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. And then we had to change our entire season, which we did. Mm-hmm. And because we just couldn't put out shit that was not relevant. Like we were going to talk about like repertoire. Yeah, repertoire and like get ahead of how do we prepare for audition season. And, right. Um. You know, I think one of the 
craziest things, and, and it's a good thing, honestly, if we're looking at it in terms of silver linings, that came out of the early days of COVID was like the industry showing its colors, mm-hmm. like making it incredibly apparent for the first time ever that we as the singers are not valued mm-hmm. by the ma- majority of our industry just because of all the force majeure cancellations and how poorly some companies were managing that mm-hmm. um which then we were like well this is the topic we have to talk about right for our season yeah and i mean i think it was easier for singers to call it out and it was easier for singers to see because they lost their jobs i mean we talked about how they just really didn't have anything to lose at that point first right. of all and second of all the only value that they had before that was getting a job or getting an audition, which isn't a value at all. It's a job, like, good that we got it. That's our literal job. But just seeing that in black and white, I feel like. Well, and it, I think what's interesting, and, I th- and we've talked about this over the season too, is that it wasn't just those of us kind of at the bottom of the ladder uh-huh. dealing with this like it oh, affected no. every singer from the top to the bottom so now this you know now we've got singers calling this out who you know whose voices are more visible mm-hmm. in the industry too because we've been talking about this forever <laughs> right you know and so but now singers whose voice have more reach and more impact even on their on our audience you know we're speaking out about the fact that they've been treated so poorly yeah. Um, which has shifted the paradigm a bit. Yep. And we had Zach on who on episode 11 where he and and after that episode was when he was really highlighting some of the things going on, especially by writing articles that highlighted companies that were doing a really good job. And then and he was exactly right because any I I believe any articles that he made that were saying that someone didn't do something a certain way. It was not slander, it was not. It was just like here's the facts of what the, what they did. This is this is the letter that the artist received. He doesn't say if it's good or bad. He's reporter style like this is what happened. Right, make your own make your own conclusions. He was a great episode. Yeah, I really I really liked our conversation with him. I will admit that I was a little depressed after our conversation with him. <laughs> We, I think we, well, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was depressed, but yeah, I remember you saying that, but it was like, bam. Right. I was still like, I was still, and in a lot of ways I still am, but I think shit has caught up with me. I mean, and we'll, we'll get to what happens later on in the season in a minute, <laughs> like what just basically destroyed me. Um, but I was still like, yeah, this is how we make the change. Great. Right. Bitches out. Right. Right. I mean, it was a breath of fresh air to have someone so clearly lay out what the situation was, you know, with the fact-based evidence. But I think what was depressing about it was like just to realize how widespread. Yeah. And he talked about how we're not having concerts months and months down the way. You know, and just was like, whatever. Like, I mean, he he knew that the summer programs were canceled. Right. You know. Right. He knew. So, it was great. Then we had... So, so yeah. So, full stop with Zach, basically. Yeah. This is the shit. 
that's going to happen and how are we going to deal with it? Zach created right. a Facebook group for singers for support. Um, support started coming out for singers. Right. It has been great. And then we had Anthony Bereze come on. Yeah. Which was, you know, Tony, I've wanted to have him on the podcast for a really long time because if we're talking about, okay, maybe some of the better things in our industry, I think he's a part of that, you know, where he's like really committed to the art form in a way that like, how do we do this sustainably? How do we do this in a way that serves our audiences, but also serves our singers? Like he's a singer's first kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And so it was like really important to me that we, <laughs> even especially on the heels of like our conversation with Zach, you know, talk, talk with somebody who is not charging an application fee, who charges for cookies for coaching with him, you know, or doesn't charge at all. And is just like so generous with his time and his expertise for young artists, because he really wants to see this art form thrive. Mm -hmm. And he's, he is not shy about calling out, you know, the teachers and coaches charging ridiculous prices. And he's like, but you guys are like, we're busing tables. Like, how is that ethical? Right. He's straightforward and just, he's in this for the love of the music. And I think that makes him respect the singer. And I think he, he's able to see, like, you know, he talked about, like, I don't care where you're, what school you went to. I don't care about this or that. Like, he's, he's in it because he loves music. And he loves certain kinds of music. And he's not afraid to let his company reflect that. Right. He's not about pleasing people. Although I'm sure he's playing the game, he has to be, you know. But he's committed to programming music that he likes. And he's committed to working with people that have something to say with their voice and that want to work with him. I th you know what I mean? Like they, he talked about in the audition, like know that I'm programming this stuff because it's what I like. And I want to hear that. I don't right. want to hear Aki fools. Like I'm, I, I don't care about Aki fools, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unless he's casting a flute. Um, it just makes it like personal, right? Like, in right. a in the best way, I mean, you know, like you're not, you know, and had it not been COVID, we were we would have used that for the auditions to our advantage, but right. even even going forward, doesn't matter. I think we both took away like I should sing what the fuck I want to sing, right? And you're gonna because you're gonna sing it better, and you know I appreciated I appreciate his his mindset that you know like in an audition I'm you know, probably not going to look at you because I want to be listening to what you're doing. And now certainly that's not everybody in the audition room is not what the, everyone on the audition panel is doing, but certainly it working with him has taught me to be more confident about the things that I do well and figuring out how to showcase that instead of trying to fit into everyone else's little boxes for what they mm -hmm. think my voice type should be doing or a singer of my age should be doing. You know, and honestly, like what that means is that when you work with him, you trust him, mm -hmm. right? He is a conductor that when I'm on stage and he is in the pit, I I trust him completely. Mm -hmm. And like, he's going to have his singers back. He's going to make the music beautiful. He's going to pull together the team in a way that's really special. Mm -hmm. And if anything, it's, that's given me a lens then to view other relationships with other conductors and companies when I work with them, because now I know what a good relationship with a conductor looks like when you have that trust in your conductor. 
And then when it's not as good, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, maybe don't work here again. <laughs> right. And to just say it the other way around, fear is so common mm -hmm. as a young artist feeling from not just conductors, but coaches and teachers and directors. And you think you're doing it wrong. I'm sorry. You're not doing it wrong. You might not know something and maybe you should know it, but if you're setting that hierarchy up, mm -hmm. your singers are not doing well. Listen, you hired them. Why are you mad about it? Fire right. them or support them. Mm -hmm. Give them what you expect in black and white and the consequences. It's not a mystery. And I'm not saying like, oh, be nice to people that don't know their music. I'm saying don't be a passive aggressive person and instill fear. You just tell right. that person, you need to learn your music by next week or you're not going to be able to do this. Which I know there, there's a, like, you're in a rock and a hard place when it comes to hiring someone else. But I've just seen so many times like people not know their music too. And then everybody in the room just like pretending like nothing's going, going on. on. Right, right, like, right. But also, but also there's like another side to that too, that I think sopranos in particular deal with, or at least I as an anxious soprano deal with, is like every job that I walk into, I am acutely aware of the fact that there are 500 sopranos behind me who can do my job as good as, or if not better than I do. You know, and some of that's imposter syndrome talking like, well, why did they pick me? When I know that there's all these other amazing singers out there, but it also, you know, in my case, like that anxiety leads me to feel like I can't make a mistake, right. you know, and like I show up with my music learned. <laughs> I am definitely type A overachiever, don't disappoint anybody kind of person, um, you know, but like I still walk into that rehearsal room with fear of if I make a single mistake, if I stumble over a word or I sing a wrong note or it's a little bit flat, like that's it, I'm going to get fired because there's all these people behind me ready to jump in and, and do my job, you know, and like ha work, being able to work with people who put you at ease and allow you to make, you know, there's a difference between not knowing your music and making a mistake in rehearsal right? and feeling able to make a mistake in rehearsal and know that you're not going to get fired for it because we're humans, we're not robots. Like that kind of trust is really important because you're not going to sing well if you're afraid, period. I mean, that whole narrative is like totally legitimate. Lots of sopranos feel that way. And the other thing that I think of is that not only do lots of sopranos feel that way, but like that narrative is just so rampant now that it's just, it kind of makes me like pissed, like right. to the point of like, so now I have to learn my music because I know that like they'll just find another soprano because like any old soprano can come in and like learn it because they're great because they have to be. And then the tenor doesn't know the music and it's like, well, we can't lose the tenor. Where are we going to find a tenor? Where are we going to find a tenor? Mm -hmm. Hire a soprano. How about who cares about the fucking yeah, tenor? Great. Fuck it up. I mean, and I wish, <laughs> I wish that I could say that this fear is just imposter syndrome and in my head. It's, no, it's and, not. But like I have had conductors and administrators stay outright no that's what i'm there saying. are people who are knocking on our door looking for opportunities and mm. if you don't if you're if you can't get your shit together there are plenty of people who want who want your job yeah. and we can replace you exactly that's not just in the soprano's head people say it all the time it's i like may some... have heard it like last week 
It's ridiculous. It's like when people talk about like, oh, stereotypes are funny because they're true. Like, no, don't ever say that again. (laughs) Yeah, they're not funny. That's abuse. That's not funny. (laughs) It's not funny and it makes people feel like shit. Yeah. And even if you think it's like, well, whatever, it's true. It doesn't matter. That's not the point. Right. So go Tony. Go Tony. Thank you, Tony. (laughs) We need more Tonys in our industry. (laughs) So then we got to May. May was a tough month. Yeah. And we we decided to have Glenn, Dr. Doyle, on the podcast, um, which was a great episode. Great episode. And different, but he both he made both of us think about things like mm-hmm. in a way that I think allowed us probably to start processing, at least for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I still think about, you know, it was like that episode was interesting because it was like the inter- it was very like intersectional in terms of like mental health, but then also how your mindset also goes hand in hand with that, you know, and so even just like the ways he was like, maybe you need to reframe how you talk to yourself when you're practicing. And yeah, like every time I practice now, <laughs> I think about that and I'm like, okay, I'm allowed, I'm allowed to, to make a not good sound. And that's just what it is. And it's, I have to not put a value judgment on it because then I'm just going to get myself in a spiral and that's not healthy. Well, and what I loved about what he said, what sometimes I, I know this, but I don't know always how to process it. I think he talked about how to process it too, is like, is to be okay with saying something bad, but -hmm. then being able to say, because you're going to, you're not going to just fix yourself. I mean, he said some along those lines, like you can't tell yourself to stop doing something and then just stop doing it. That's not, that's not how we are. But if you get a negative thought or if you get a thought that makes you feel a certain way, like how would you look at that and understand it better? And process like what was he calling them the the assumptions or the um oh yeah the, we, your table right 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 and What's what are the legs belief? of the table right. right that if I sing a wrong note that I'm a bad singer is one of those tables but like one of those legs but there was there's other legs too and that's like such the surface level of that you know mm-hmm. mine was like you know wasting time avoiding practicing or avoiding certain things that are part of my job but also make me feel like good about my job but because I've gotten into the into the mindset of singing well does it does it make you get hired um which I do believe um if I don't have something to work on that I care about like I'm wasting time Mm. or that I not that I care about but that I that I feel like I need to do for auditions even if I like the song it's just like, you know what? I'm just going to sing it however I sing it that day. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Yeah. No, I mean, and I, you know, I've talked about in some of our coffee chats that like, you know, I'm struggling with some vocal issues right now just as a consequence of <laughs> all the stress from quarantine, like putting external pressure on my voice and making it really hard to sing. And it's really revealed for me that I had a table, like a belief of if I don't sing well or if I can't sing, right, that I'm like not a whole person, mm-hmm. that I don't have any other good coping mechanisms, that um, like I don't have other ways to fully express myself. You know, it's been a useful exercise to think about in that context, you know, and things are much better now, but still like, I still like when I'm feeling impatient for it to be back to like 100%, I'm like, 
no. <laughs> like, what assumption is behind that impatience to be at 100%? Yeah. And if I might speak for you for a second, I think singing, it's important to you to voice your opinion and to share your opinion, like, in order to just, I mean, it's part of being an artist. It's why you love singing, like, to express right. how you feel and to express your opinion to just create conversations, create change, like create a space for other people to do that. I think before quarantine, and you tell me if I'm wrong, like singing was like the best way you knew how to do that. And like maybe the only way, even though you probably knew there was other ways and like this podcast obviously clearly is another way, but like we didn't really think about it that much. I think like we were so just like, we need to make singing a better environment so we can sing, so we can like say what we want to say. And then you found so many other ways to express yourself because of that. And, like, I feel like you're so much better off for that. And, like, I'm so proud of you for that with the, with the, you know. We're both going to cry now, aren't we? (laughs) You know, with the, um, the thing at the evening that I can't think of the name of right now. And, um. And the activism and, like, so many right. things that you've just been using your voice, like, exactly the way that you intended to. Just didn't have to be singing all the time. It still right. can be. Right. Right. So, no, it's so, been it's – a, it's a process. Yeah. You know, I think singing has always felt like the safe way to express myself, right? Because there's, like, a certain kind of distancing you get to do when you do that still yeah. because you, you put on a character – Mm-hmm. And then to have to have that taken away, and the only voice I had left was my speaking voice, and to have to go like, no, I have to use the voice I have in my person and stand in my own power and stop being afraid, you know, to speak out about the things that I believe in. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it was ter- it's terrifying when you have grown up in an environment that literally constantly told you to sit down and shut up. And constantly told you that your voice as a woman and your voice as a queer person aren't valid, you know, and to like find, you're right. I've, 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 I'm learning to find that power. And I, I know that when my singing voice is all back, like that's going to inform my work in a really important way there too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Thank you, Dr. Doyle. <laughs> <laughs> And then we uh, went to uh, interview Stratagem Artists. Yeah, which I've been a fan. I've been a fan of them, like, since forever. Justin's companies have been on my radar for a long time, and I really love how he reps his singers and how present he is. You know, he's, like, their social media is on point, but, like, even when, like, I initially met him in person in the hallway outside of an audition because he was there to be there for his artists for, Mm -hmm. you know, some auditions in New York, and, you know, he's, like, super personable and super chatty and was, you know, just, like, totally helped me get over my fear of, like, oh, I'm talking to a manager, Mm -hmm. right? And he's just, like, so down to earth and really open. And I think like, again, like another voice in our industry, that's a little more rare than it should be. And I'm really glad that we could like have him come on and give his perspective. And how did that, how did his conversation land for you? It was really nice to hear. Honestly, he's definitely like a manager, you know, and he's, his personality like fits it really well. 
but he's like not using that for a neg in a negative way. Right. He he has visions and opinions, and the people he works for, it's his job to fulfill those dreams for them. And when they join as a team, they envision the same thing. It's not like he says you have to do this or that or else whatever. They form an agreement, and I think that's what having a manager is is forming an agreement with someone mm -hmm. and that's not what most managers do and that's not how a lot of singers enter management or enter the idea of management mm -hmm. as an agreement they enter it as this person I had better tell do everything they tell me to do or else I'm not gonna do a good job and they're gonna like bow down to the great and all-powerful and he said multiple times like we might not be the right fit for you. We're not the right fit for everybody. This right. is how I do it because it's my fucking company. Right. I say that. <laughs> I said that. But like it, it was, it was nice for him to, again, someone to be honest and be themselves and just, but still be a caring and genuine person that like wants the art form to succeed and wants his singers to succeed and all singers. He doesn't care if you're not in his. Um, right. Right cohort <laughs> right well and i think like so i i did a consultation with him and it feels like ages and ages and ages ago now and like that was my takeaway with him is like he you know we had only had like a couple of in-person interactions and things and you know in my consultation with him like he was really i, I think what stood out to me was his honesty mm -hmm. right and I, and that came across in our interview with him too like you're saying where he's just like this is a team and so you know yes his job is to like hype his artists and be like, yes, my singers are great. But like, he's also so realistic about like, he was like, in, just in my consultation with him, he was so honest. He was like, here are the things that I hear that you do really well. And then here are the things that I don't think you do as well. And so like, maybe try to highlight those things. And for any, any observation he had that, you know, was, could maybe be a negative, right? He had like really straightforward suggestions on how to either improve those aspects or then how to, or how to redirect so that I'm focusing the attention on the stuff, you know, basically to like help me find my voice as an, as an artist and help me to find my niche as an artist. Exactly. I feel like, again, his job as a manager is to pinpoint what that is and then form an agreement with the artist. Like, this is how I want to do it. Are Is that correct for you or not correct? Right. 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 And if it's correct, then there you go. You have a great partnership. And if it's not, then that's okay. And like his suggestions and his, his, yeah, his suggestions and everything are about helping you be better. Yeah. Just help and helping you ha like have an opinion, like which so many singers don't because they don't know they can have one. Right. Why do you have this already in your package? Tell me now. Right. Which like right. no one says, no one says that to you. Why do you have this in my package? Well, because someone said it sounded good. <laughs> right, right. And he and he's very clear. He's like, I want you to have an aria in your package that you like have a good reason to sing. All Somebody told me I sound good is not that's not that's not a good enough reason. No. Um yeah. Yeah, like and your pictures, let them reflect you. You better like them. Like you mm -hmm. you know. And I think if we go into finding a manager or just presenting our package to anyone. Right. The more we can pick it ourselves and it it as if it makes sense to us. I mean, it's the same as as performing, act, you know, being on the stage. You better have a reason. Nobody in the room has to agree with it. But if you don't have it, then everyone's going to tell you 
an right. opinion and then you just pay, it doesn't make sense you know right. and right. it's not fun <laughs> right well and and i think like he he gets to the heart of the idea of like if you know who you are as an artist and what you have to say as an artist you're going to show up more clearly in the audition room right you're going to be you know if you're talking about branding right your brand will be more clear to the people looking to hire you as to what it is you do right and what you do well and why they might want to hire you or if you're just kind of like you know sort of good at everything and dipping your toe in all the pools because oh maybe right? yeah because you're there's no there's no clarity to like why are you singing yep it's such a message to everything every business i've been talking about this more and more lately actually like and i think singers get really the worst of it sometimes like having to please everybody or and mm-hmm. i feel like if they if they please one person themselves then they're not going to please everybody else when it's really the only thing that matters but it it, it is hard it is hard to do mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and hopefully some of our later episodes after that might help they've certainly helped me find yeah. my voice more absolutely after all Absolutely. that talk of what not to do, <laughs> we have a, a episode 15 with Matthew Mezzano. Great example. Right. Of someone who decided to do whatever the fuck they wanted. Right. And, and like not be apologetic about it. And Matt is a amazing human being and creative and funny and just like sweet, oh, like so sweet and warm hearted and uh, he's just like, I'm saying this about too many people these days, but I believe it. Everyone I say this about, it's true. Like he is the walking personification of a hug. Mm. You know, yeah, he is. he's just, he's just, you feel good around him. Um, and, uh, you know, but like his work is Belena Canto. She is a fabulous diva and, mm-hmm. he, you know, is everywhere on the internet, I feel like. Yeah. Matt is constantly posting all of the amazing creative things he's doing with her and, it's a brilliant drag persona. And he's, I mean, like he's still learning too and he's still figuring it out too. And he just decided to take that leap. I don't know how long he thought about it. This has not been there, done that for him. Like Lena Canto is like less than five years old, I think, in terms yeah. of in terms of the public, as right. far as the public knows. And I would say he's every day, and that's what I hope, I can do and everyone can do every day you just are able to get more of who you are into your life right you know right well and I appreciate that like he's really the thing that he's showing up and doing is I is he's he's disrupting that narrative that I think we all get caught in because we hear from so many different angles like don't do the thing until you're ready don't apply to this company until you're ready oh don't sing this aria until you're ready Right. And so then we are living with this, this idea that this belief, right, that in, until it's perfect, don't put it out into the world because if someone hears you singing the wrong rep, they might blacklist you or not take you seriously or whatever. Or don't right? post both of your things. Don't be two things. Right. Don't be two things. Don't post silly videos. Don't post political things, like whatever. And, you know, with Belena, I, I love that, like, Matt's episode kind of just was like, yeah, I'm like, 
I'm figuring it out. I'm using this program and I'm kind of learning as I go and the learning curve is steep. And sometimes the finished product is like super polished and sometimes the finished product's kind of kitschy and, but like I'm making art and I'm putting it out there and it's going to get better as I go. And I had fun doing it, which right. how many people can say that in opera? Honestly. I still laugh about his, his potato. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he superimposed a potato on his face. I love it. Yep. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he, he's, he has fun. He, he enjoys it. And I mean, opera singers can really be, I mean, we all love opera. Let's not, I'm not saying that, but we, we also came into this art form with a little bit of that. This is hard and mm-hmm. I can fucking do it. Mm-hmm. I'm really good. Mm-hmm. I work really hard. Sometimes it's just like, did you, right? Did you like that? Like you hate yourself right now. Like, please don't hate yourself. Please love yourself. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and like, don't take yourself so seriously because, I mean, when you really think about it, and I think Joyce DiDonato said this, in a, and she said this in a bunch of interviews all over the place, right? We're like, opera is like so big. It is like taking human emotion and putting it under mm-hmm. a microscope and blowing it up. But like, mm-hmm. because human emotions are that big, it's so grandiose. And on some level, like, we're all fucking dramatic divas and divas at heart and so like we saw opera and we saw an opportunity to be like off the wall extra and some little part of us was like that i need that but then like the bullshit of the industry comes on top of us and makes us feel like we have to take ourselves very seriously because we have to be a serious artist and it's like no like the reason why we fell in love with opera was because it's absurd and ridiculous and over the top and, like, we need to lean into that. Right. I love Evan Kassoff. And he always says, opera doesn't mean anything anyway. <laughs> <laughs> opera doesn't. What is opera? <laughs> it's not that serious. He says this as a composer of operas. <laughs> I love it. It's so true. Like, get off your high horse. Like, right. it's just, it's ridiculous sometimes. Think about these freaking things. Right, right. And yet the most serious thing ever. <laughs> Right. Right. Well, I mean, some of the emotions like. Right. And serious. Right. Serious. And so far as it has this incredible ability to move people. Right. To like break down the barriers of stoicism that we put up around ourselves and Mm. like Mm. get us into a place where we can feel things. Mm -hmm. And that that is serious work. That's like to me, that's like a kind of the sacredness of what we do as artists. Mm hmm. But I think, like, in order to do that well, we need to be able to play, right. too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <sighs> Behind the Curtain with the Opera Dolls. I'm Jenny. I'm Anna. And I'm Christina. And we're three New York City opera singers that created plush opera singing dolls in order to make opera tangible, relevant, and accessible to all, especially kids. We love opera, you love opera, but why don't our kids? Play some for them, people. We know these plots aren't always kid-friendly. Our little mezzo Carmen, quote-unquote, the traveler, and all the sopranos that die in the end. Whoops. But let's be real. This art form is super important and has inspired music and society throughout history. Check us out on theoperadolls.com or follow us at The Opera Dolls on Instagram. Jenny here from the Opera Dolls. So here we are, almost at the end of this year. 
I know you were all thinking back on it like this was the weirdest, most unusual experience that we've ever collectively had as a society, as artists. To be told to stay at home, to keep distance from each other, and to not be able to hug freely and sing in front of a live audience. So many lost gigs. So, we are all sitting around and wondering, what can we do? If I can suggest three things for all of us artists to do during the next 30 days and beyond, so that we can come out of this on the other side more sane, more confident, and hopefully more passionate about our art than ever before, then I will have done what I have set out to do. Number one, share your art, whatever that may be and whatever that looks like. Give us a glimpse into what you are passionate about and share it right now. The world needs your energy. The world needs your passion. Even if you think that no one will receive it or accept it, or you don't have all the right fill-in-the-blank, share it anyway. Even if you only want to make people laugh and feel connected, do more of that. Remember, the more positive your attention flows, the more abundant your manifesting will go. Number two, vote. Spread the word about voting. It is our American right and duty to show up and cast our vote on November 3rd. Really, Take a look at who is on the ballot, read descriptions of the propositions in the ballot voter's guide provided by your state, and do your research. Understand who are the stakeholders and who are the ones affected. Read news articles from multiple sources in order to make an informed decision. Make a plan for your voting path. Will you drop off your mail-in ballot or stand in line on election day? Either way, it is up to you to make a difference and exercise your right. Let's get it done. Number three, support other artists. Keep the singing going. Keep the music going. We understand that it seems like opportunities for us to shine and showcase our singing are waning, that the time is narrowing for us singers to be able to perform, that having an opera career seems absolutely impossible in the near future. Remember, it is also a choice to keep thinking this way. I recommend that we all show up to support our friends in their art, go to their online concert, share and like their social media pages so that they can grow their following. Reach out to your own network to see how you can get more involved locally. Or shop at a small business run by opera singers, like the Opera Dolls. There are so many ways to show your support. We are proud to announce that we are providing an opportunity to do just that by opening up an affiliate program. Write to us at info at for more information on how to join and become an ambassador for our mission. Thank you for listening in, and now back to my so-called Opera Life podcast. So then we had... The Opera Diaries. To be continued, they are still in the works, but we needed to... So of course, yeah, Matt's episode came out, like, right. what, what day right. before or a day of? Like, I feel like it was... We recorded with him, like, right before... We all learned of the murder of George Floyd. Yeah, like we didn't, we, we, I feel like we, we finished recording. Yeah, and right? then it happened, or so, like we were and supposed to happened. sing with him like the next Monday because part of our episode was going to be not only did we talk to Matt about his amazingness, but originally it <laughs> but like was for digital content creation. <laughs> digital content. <laughs> and which... here, look at us do the thing. <laughs> <laughs> and we were going to do that, talking about fucking COVID shitting on everything. Or not COVID. This wasn't COVID, but 2020. Right, <laughs> right. And uh, um, we were supposed to record a concert with him and highlight some of the ways we, we recorded that. Um, mm-hmm. And then we found out about the murder of George Floyd and protests began and... It just was not, it was just not okay. 
It was just when we wanted to make sure that we were focusing on what mattered, not just for the podcast. I mean, I mean, just in general. Right. Well, on the night of that concert, I ended up bowing out of it. You know, like Matt and I talked to the organizers days before because we were just like, this just feels like, like just doing opera night feels a little frivolous yeah. right now. Can we pivot so that we're, you know, if, if we if we make any money from if we take any donations that we <clears throat> donated to Black Lives Matters is like that's really what where our right. attention we're should not be right now. Ignore things, right? That cannot be ignored, you right? Know? And then I ended up having to drop out anyway because that was the night that white supremacists took over my neighborhood and uh, the police here in my precinct here i mean it's elisa's neighborhood too but we're on several sides of the neighborhood and so they were over on my side because this is where the police precinct was and the police protected them like as they were as they were beating up people i watched them beat someone up outside of my house they were not the police not the police um these you know white supremacist dudes and the police um, who are also show up who correct? are also neighbors like right that's scary and the scary. police just didn't show up right um, the police were out. Oh, they were. And like sharing water with them and fist bumping with them. Mm. And my other neighbors came out to say like, hey, it's after curfew. We don't feel safe with these people here. Can you please make them go home? The police told us to go back into our house instead of telling them to disperse. Like there was a guy walking around with a hatchet. Like it was scary. Yeah. It was really scary. And um, yeah, so I've... <laughs> That would not, I would not have been able to sing a concert, even if I had, like, it was the stuff going on literally right outside of my door made it impossible. I felt, and I I know everybody just feels differently and does things differently. Like, I felt like, you know, I was so glad that you and Matt said, like, let's change the concert because, yeah, let's do that. Um, And I just didn't want to, like, cancel something that had already been announced. Like, I felt like that was defeat. You know, mm-hmm. and if I could do something, mm-hmm. anything, like, you know, I wanted to. Right. And and people, like, were commenting and, and donating hundreds of dollars. Right. It was great. It was really um, great. More than we've ever made at Opera Night. <laughs> yeah, right? More than we have ever made at Opera Night. Which, you know, that's okay. No, it's good. It's really good. And it just shows you the support and the comments and the messages I got. So that was great. Yeah. And uh, it took a moment, many moments, and uh, we still are on a mission to not make this podcast just about Marcel and I, but about every singer and every singer's experience, and that's Opera Diaries. And uh, we've been in many conversations with, with people to use their voice on the podcast to express their own stories. Which is scary, and it's yeah. work, so it takes time. But Chantal, my friend, um, she found it in her to do it, and I'm so grateful to that. Yeah, yeah, and she she spoke to a like a relationship with validation that I think a lot of us struggle with, yep. you know. And it was it was really inspiring to like hear how she, you know, came came to find that for herself. Yeah. Definitely helped me to hear that. Yep. Yeah. So so TBD on, or is that the right 
well, it's not really exactly more to come on the Opera Diaries. <laughs> Stay tuned for yeah, our we have, Opera we Diaries. Have some, some other stories in the works, and you know, if you have one that you'd that you're thinking about telling or that you'd like to tell, like reach out to us. We're happy to have a conversation with you to like help form form that narrative. Um, yep. We think it's really important that you know we actually hear what it's like. And it's not it's it's any singer, every singer. If you have something that you just want to say it's about you right. the artist you know right. hey guys we are so happy to have the sparkle twins as our sponsor for this season of my so-called opera life if you are looking for a mouth mask these days support these artists in the process by ordering one of their mouth masks made especially with singers and performers in mind to order yours visit www.sopranotwins.com shop and then starting to get to then we got some more fire season. underneath us again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we grew so much from March to to July, you know. Mm-hmm. And July, you know, everybody gets audition fever and like literal fever from like fear, you know. <laughs> <laughs> literal fever from fear and like where is the summer going and I still haven't learned that new aria, but like I think, like, at that point, like, were we even going to have an audition season? We were starting to hear whisperings of some kind of an audition season. No, and... it was that it was that old familiar feeling, but mixed with, fuck this. Right, right. <laughs> like, of how do I balance feeling like I'm going to be left out if I don't do it? But also, we're in a fucking pandemic, and if they make me pay $40 for an application for me to just send them their fucking, my video that they're not going to watch anyway... Like, fuck that. We can't do that again. No way. <laughs> uh, and everybody's response has been different, and I think everybody has a different way of, of processing and thinking about things. But I think for us, the only thing that matters, again, is you. If you want to do it, and if you want to, if you want to, whatever you want to do, like, just don't do it for anybody else. That's all. Right. I've been reading, that reminds me, I've been reading. Glennon Doyle's Untamed. If you haven't, it's on my list. If you haven't, all of you, y'all need to read it. Um, but one of the things she talks about that every day I remind myself of this. I have it on a post-it note on my piano. <laughs> that the only responsibility you have is to not disappoint yourself. Yeah, like it should be your job to like disappoint other people. The only person you should be worried about disappointing is yourself. You know, and so like, yeah, for me, it was just like, well, if I burn myself out while I'm still not vocally at 100% trying to make recordings of arias that I don't feel great singing right now, like I will be disappointed in the end product. I will be disappointed that I put my energies towards something that isn't artistically fulfilling right now. And so I'm just not going to do it. Yep. Me neither. I am still waiting and looking for... Something that makes me, like, want to sing again, you know? Mm. I think I need to take a more active role in that. I mean, I haven't been completely passive. You know, I've been getting new scores and Mm -hmm. looking at new rap and things like that. So that's my steps. And I just, I refuse to sing until I want to. (laughs) And I feel like it's mean something to me even if like what if it means something to me then I'll do it it doesn't mean that it has to mean the fucking it doesn't have to be 
you know, I sang for like my concert for New Groove. Mm-hmm. That means something to me. That company means something to me. Those people mean something to me. My community means something to me. Right. There you go. Yeah. And we were on the episode talking about how auditions, they are work, but like they're not the work. No. And we just need to remember that. Right. And remember that, you know, if you even zoom out a little bit, it's just like the, you know, the big bad industry. I keep saying that, you know, but like, (laughs) you know, like they're on, they are preying on our need for validation, our, our need to feel like we're real singers and audition season is a pyramid scheme. It just is. It just is. And I think this fall, there's a little more transparency than we've seen other places. And then like the companies who were really shitty in the past have like continued to do the same. So now we know who to stay clear of. But the reality is, it's like, we are singers. We are artists, even without audition season. Mm-hmm. Our voices matter. The things we have to say matter. And we're not somehow, you know, less of a less of an artist because we choose not to participate in a system that actually isn't interested in supporting us. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, too, we're not saying that, like, anybody that does it is bad and anybody that participates in it. It's just you just need to acknowledge it. That's all. You can still participate. You can audition the fuck out of this audition season. season right. Right. But like, no. Just do it for yourself, though, and don't do it for them, and don't do it for anybody else. And we're not saying everybody's bad that's either auditioning or even on the other end. But if you don't start calling this stuff out for what it is and pointing out what is not fair or what is not equal or what is not equitable, if you don't start calling it out, you can. I can still audition for those companies. I'm not being a hypocrite right. if I do. Like I'm, but I can say it. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and we still need be professional. Yeah, and still right. be professional and still be everything I want to be. Right. Well, because I mean, the reality is, is like, unfortunately, the system is broken, but it's the way in which we do get work. Right. And so, yeah, like we are forced to participate in it. And so, being able to participate in it with our eyes open mm-hmm. and with a full respect for ourselves and what's good for us, yep. and being able to to call it what it is, is really important to breaking the cycle and hopefully making it a system that does work for us. Silence is the enemy. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, and I think like, I think also I, I've been met kind of reflecting on this too, or like on a larger scope of thinking about like empowerment. Hey, I know you don't, my puppy doesn't like audition season either. <laughs> She's growling at audition season. Um, <laughs> um, you know, but if we're thinking about like empowerment and kind of, I think a theme running through this whole season so far has been about us becoming secure in ourselves about the fact that our voices are valid we as artists are valid regardless of what the bigger construct says and i think we all can fall into the trap of waiting for our career to happen to us yes and so we don't we don't we don't often put the responsibility on ourselves to move our own career forward and i think that's at the heart of why audition season is is as insidious as it is right because if we're if we're not empowering ourselves to take charge of our career then audition season becomes the deadline to like 
do the, to like learn new arias and get more rep going and like get the fire under our ass to do the thing. Right. But the reality is, is like, we need to be that, we need to be self-motivated. Right. We can't let the industry motivate us. Take responsibility for for your path and your career and your choices. Yeah. So guilty, by the way. Of oh, that. yeah. Me too. Oh, me, me too. Like, and I'm definitely guilty of not following through on ideas because I want somebody to like, tell me that they think it's a good idea first. <laughs> of course. It's fucking hard. Yeah. Um. And I'm social. I don't like to do things by myself. Yeah. Which is why the pod, this podcast idea that percolated in my brain forever didn't happen until the two of us got together. <laughs> it's so much worse without you. So much worse. Agreed. <laughs> I would really feel like I was screaming alone into the void. Um, <laughs> is anybody listening? <laughs> Uh, well, and then we, so we talked about the broken system and how frustrated we were with it. And then we had the Agma soloist called yes. Soloist, Co- blah, blah, blah. I can't speak. The Agma Soloist Coalition come on the podcast and they are doing the work of trying to change this mm-hmm. stuff. Fascinating conversation, honestly, for me, like, because that's the daunting task, right? That's the big question. Right. And it takes, it takes work, you know, it takes organization Mm -hmm. and it's it's amazing to hear some of the things that they've thought about and the organize organizing that they've started to do around topics you know like fair pay and audition season and contracts and right and like learning how a collective bargaining agreement works yeah and like look at other unions to see what they offer their people and like what is our union doing for us how can we make it better you know people shit yeah, I mean, and I think I think stuff that we we often tell ourselves that we're not smart enough to do mm-hmm. or to learn for ourselves, or not mm-hmm. even like not even that as much as is was like, well, that's just not that's not my arena, that's not my hat to wear. Mm-hmm. But if we keep putting it off, no one's no one's gonna. We have to advocate for ourselves. Yeah, well, it no. comes. It's down to that that thing again, like oh, singer, you don't don't worry about that. Don't you worry yourself about that. Mm-hmm. Just worry about what you're going to wear to that audition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. what we really need you to worry about. <laughs> what color is your jewel tone wrap Don't dress this year? Don't worry about that little contract. We'll take care of your your pay. Oh, you don't want to live in that house with those other people? Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. Mm-hmm. Well, and I appreciated so much that David was like, just point blank. And again, a lot like Zach, like very factual, just, you know, Call this what it is. If your employer is telling your singers not to discuss your pay rates with each other, one, that's illegal. And two, it means they're hiding something. It means that they don't want you to know that they're not being equitable in their pay and that they're, you know, the men are maybe making more money than the women are, et cetera, et cetera. And like, that's abuse. You know, and I think it was Elizabeth who said, and this one, I just, I just keep, I just keep thinking about it. Um, you know, where she's like, we've, we've all kind of made this unspoken contract that in order to work in this industry, we have to be willing to take abuse in some way, shape or form. And she did say that, you know, and that in the words of a wise friend, not no, Mm -hmm. like that, that is actually the deal with the double that we have to make. And that needs to change. 
And, and then, um, I think Abby said the people that leave the industry, we, we, oh, they couldn't cut it when really Mm -hmm. they didn't want to deal with it anymore. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's what they want to change. Right. Right. That, that you don't leave because you just couldn't take it anymore. Right. You didn't have thick enough skin. It was like, no, they valued themselves enough (laughs) to not want to be abused. Yep. They saw it for what it is and said, no, thank you. So funny because how many singers have you met that stop singing or whatever, quote unquote, stop singing? Because a lot of them never really stop singing, right? But they stop playing the game because they don't want to take it anymore because mm-hmm. they value themselves enough. And this is like happened to me many times, right? And then they're like, yeah, I do this, but and then I sing like here or there and like, and, that, and they talk about how happy they are. And I'm like, so judgy, mm-hmm. so judgy, like, mm. Are you happy? You know, like, so, how rude of me. <laughs> right? But, like, we've been conditioned yeah. to think yeah. that way. Like, oh, well, why couldn't you cut it? Mm-hmm. Was your technique bad? Were you a bad actress? You know, you couldn't play the game. You couldn't schmooze well enough. Mm-hmm. Um, when- and, they, and I'm, like, now, like, finally get it. Like, no, Elise, they actually are happier than you like they are happy like they are they really are mm-hmm. I, i'm so happy for them i know right <laughs> uh yeah that conversation brought up brought up a lot it's like it's like this double bind of because we're we're in this scarcity mindset uh, there's not enough jobs. There's so many singers. Everyone's so good. And there's just not, not enough work. And so then we should be grateful for the table scraps that we get. And that gratitude should outweigh the shitty treatment we're receiving, right? And that's the wrong attitude. That is the wrong attitude. That's the narrative of an abuser. Well, you should be grateful that I let you sing in my chorus for $300 for eight weeks of work. Because I'm giving you an opportunity and something to put on your resume. It's like, oh, that doesn't even pay for my gas to get here and back. That's not a fair wage. Right. We have so much work to do. But that starts with us recognizing on an individual basis that we fucking went to school for this. We laid out tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars for our education and our training. And we take this seriously. You know, we've devoted thousands of hours to getting better at our art form and yet we are expected to work we're getting paid less than minimum wage workers yeah and it's just it's just again like don't be afraid to say that and don't be afraid to like again you can still accept a job like that's not a fair pay and you can still be just it's okay like it's just where we are and we're just trying to make it better for everybody like ourselves and um but it's okay and it it actually reminds me of like way back when we first heard about Zach and middle class artist and his like one of his first if not his first blog post about like making it through the first year being a young artist and like Mm -hmm. basically just acknowledging like you're not gonna get all the work that you need and you're gonna have to just take what you what you can and what you aka what you want to take right what's Mm -hmm. worth the time to you for whatever reason that is and make it work with everything else you know if you want the chorus job that pays three hundred dollars for eight weeks that's fine 
just don't starve to death because of it and have a good reason to do it. Right. And be willing to try to negotiate too, because sometimes it's not that the organization doesn't have the money. It's that no one's asking. (laughs) No one's asking, you know? And so like, I mean, I've definitely, you know, just anecdotally, you know, I've done volunteer stuff. And for me, like my criteria of like doing volunteer with like essentially what's a community opera company is always like, does this give me an opportunity to like get a role on its feet that I want to try out in a space that no no one important is going to show up to in case it crashes and burns? Like, yeah, that's worth it to me. Right. Um, you know, but there were other times where, you know, I auditioned for a community opera production and they offered me like the cover of a role that I really needed to learn for my FOC. You know, but like the requirement was that I had to be there for every rehearsal as the cover, but the covers never got a run. The only time the cover would even get to rehearse was if the lead couldn't make it to the rehearsal or got sick or something. You know, it's like I tried to negotiate with him. I was like, look, it will only be worth it to me as a to cover if I can at least either not show up to every single rehearsal because there were tons and tons and tons of them for no pay or Will there be some kind of cover run, even if it's just like standing around with music stands, getting to sing through the whole thing? And they came back and said no. And I was like, okay, I better served learning this role with my coach by myself this summer. Right. Because I'm not actually in this situation going to get to sing a note of it. <laughs> right. Yep. So just make your choice. Yeah. You know, not, don't always follow my own rules, guys. So, yeah. You know, that's okay too. Right. And then we talk to Tara. to Tara. Yay. And she, I think she's a warm hug too. Yeah, she is. She really is. Like her personality comes through your Instagram screen for sure. <laughs> we had literally never talked to her for longer than five minutes and she was our best friend. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. So uh. sweet also. And talking about, you know, personal brand and talking about how it is you and that is great and grand and let that inform it. Right. And that you as your person are enough to be a brand. Yeah. Right. Like you don't have to try to be someone else. It was stemming, you know, she was invited on the podcast because it was stemming from Marcel and I's place of like, how do we continue to find a more authentic version of ourselves? Not just behind the, in the practice room or behind closed doors or with our family or friends, but mm-hmm. like in public spaces where we pretend to be ourselves. But I don't think either of us, definitely not me, feels like it is a reflection of myself, really, an authentic mm-hmm. reflection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, and it's been interesting because like I've been, since our conversation with her, I've been more quiet on my Instagram, but more on my on my Facebook you know, and been a little more open about my struggles with my mental health during the quarantine and my struggles with my voice during the quarantine. Cause it's just like, well, I hate that. Like I'm going to put like a happy picture of me preparing for my church job on my Instagram when really I'm like, not okay. Like Mm -hmm. that doesn't feel good to me, you know? And it's been interesting because like overwhelmingly the response to the things that I've posted that have been more true to where I'm at have been overwhelmingly positive like super supportive like incredibly supportive um but also like the number of people who have reached out to me be be like oh my gosh I'm going through the same thing and I thought I was alone and it was like so helpful for me to see your post can we catch up and just like talk about 
this stuff because it's like super helpful for me to know that I'm not the only person feeling this way right now. Um, and so like, that's been like incredible to like even expand my community, mm-hmm. you know, now on the flip side of that, there are some people on my Facebook feed who are like really distressed by the fact that I'm talking about the fact that like I struggle with mental health, you know, especially right now, like that anxiety is a part of my life and it's disrupting this fake narrative that I had been putting out, you know, where it's like, yeah, like when I get up to perform and get in front of people, like I put on performer Marcel persona, which is confident and, you know, happy and really collected and put together. And there are definitely people in my feed who have reached out to me to be like, you know, well, one, some of them are trying to minim, like we're minimizing of it. And we're just like, oh, you just need to do blah, blah, blah. And like, put a smile on your face and I'll be fine. And then there are people who are just like, well, you always come across as so confident. I don't understand why you're talking about how anxious you are. <laughs> I was just like, okay, yeah, because I wasn't accurately representing myself. Because mm-hmm. I am an anxious person. And it shouldn't, you shouldn't see it as a bad thing that I'm talking about the fact that I'm an anxious person. Like, if anything, that should highlight okay, well, then I'm a resilient person because I, you know, and I've done, I've been doing my work to get the tools I need in order to show up in public spaces and be put together. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that's not, that's 1% of who I am. Right. I think it's another way that you've been able to start carving out, and I'm sure you're still working on it, like another way to use your voice, another way that means something to you to share something like that is art, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. For me, what I want to try to do, because I still see everything as presentational, like on any social media, because it is, you know, is like being able to think about a little bit like, well, what do I want to share? Mm-hmm. Like, what would, what do I want to share about like what's going on in my professional career right now? Instead of, well, I have to post something today. I haven't posted something in a while. Like, mm-hmm. or... I should probably tell people about that because X, Y, Z, but like trying to look at it like, what do I want to share for my professional career and why do I want to do that? Mm -hmm. Because that makes it authentic to me. Even if it winds up being the same feed, I feel like it just, over time, I expect that it won't feel the same, but Mm -hmm. it'll feel different for me right from the beginning. Right. Well, because it's intentional. And certainly like it's, it, it's really pervasive, like even in my, in my own posting, like when I write about <clears throat> if I'm having a bad day with anxiety or whatever, you know, like I feel this pressure to like somehow like wrap the post up with some kind of like useful hint or I need to end it on an up note. And, you know, like I've certainly, it's, you know, the conversation with Tara has really helped me just to go, wait, 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 but I don't feel up. I don't have a helpful hint. Like part of what I'm trying to do here is say that like there's no there's no easy solution to this. And like everyone's everyone's struggle with their anxiety or their depression, whether it's clinical, whether it's brought on by quarantine, whether it's seasonal affective, like it's your own journey. And like I don't need to be able to wrap this post up with a pretty bow because that's actually not how I feel. I don't have an answer. I'm just trying to make it one day at a time and you know, show solidarity to people who are going through the same thing. Yep. And that's okay. Yep. Works in progress. Works in progress. And it's okay if it's not perfect. I think like the thing that I loved the most about Tara's episode 
And she posted about, kind of posted about this, like, not long after we talked about her. You know, and just, like, she she started kind of experimenting with how to brand her feed over a year ago. And that's kind of when I found her. And I think, like, just because I was following a hashtag that she uses a lot. And, um, you know, she was like, yeah, and my brand initially wasn't very clear. And it wasn't really, it was kind of messy. But, like, she went for it and she did it. Mm-hmm. And... It wasn't perfect and it's still maybe not perfect and, you know, it's getting better, but like, that's okay. Yeah. As a as someone who is a perfectionist, <laughs> I constantly have to remind myself it is okay if it is not perfect because it's right. never going to be. It's never going to be. For sure. Don't let the perfection hold you back. It's really can wind up being an excuse. Right. Right. And here we are at the end. Yeah. Here we are at the end of the season. It's been a journey. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. What a year. <laughs> and it's not done yet. Ah! Yep. Oh, goodness. All right. And so now for the fun part of our closing out of our seasons. The 2020 Opera Awards. Yes, first ever. And this was a lot of fun and we got a lot of amazing feedback from it. So we will definitely be doing these awards in the future. Yes. (laughs) Without further ado, let's do it. Yeah. The nominees for the best quarantine performance were An Opera Theater's We Out Tallahassee Symphony with Lawrence Brownlee Fort Worth Opera's His Light Still Shines Breaking the Waves, Opera Philadelphia The Met's broadcast of Roberto Algana and Alexandra Korzak in recital Pittsburgh Festival Opera's Opera Without Walls And the winner is... Breaking the Waves with Opera Philadelphia. Yay! Our next category was Best Quarantine Clothes, and our nominees were Suzanne Finnick, Jessica Fischenfeld, and Matt Mazzano. And the winner is Suzanne Vinick. Yay! I love all of her clothes. <laughs> yes. The nominations for Best Masterclass by a Famous Singer. Ileana Corubas, Jennifer Rowley, Christine Gerke, Lisette Oropesa. And the winner is Jennifer Rowley. Yes. Yes, she is a diva. So good. All right, and so in the next category, Best New Business Run by Singers, the nominees are Stage Time Artists, Conduit Studios, Opera Next Gen. City Lyric Opera, Valhalla Media. And the winner is Stage Time Artists. Yes, this platform looks so cool. I cannot wait to get on it. <laughs> and our nominations for the Top Singers Community. The nominees were Yak Tracker on Facebook, The New New Forum also on Facebook, The Empowered Singers Group on Facebook and the Soloist Coalition support groups. And the winner is 
the Soloist Coalition support groups. Yes, these are on Zoom. These are on Zoom. If you're not involved, sign up, get the Zoom links. These are com this community is awesome. Our next category was the best resource to fight racism. And our nominees were Opera is Racist account on Instagram, Black Women in Opera, Black Opera Alliance. And we have a three-way tie between all of them. We had a wonderful comment from Rayanne Bryce Davis, um, who pointed out that each of these groups are doing um, very important work in different segments of doing anti-racist work in our industry. Opera is Racist is doing the important work of giving voice to the victimized in a safe space. Black Women in Opera is highlighting representation of Black women opera singers. And the Black Opera Alliance is in the trenches, making the change happen in our industry. So all three of them are important resources, three-way tie, keep up the incredible work. Our next category, most growth of a company or industry service. And the nominations are the Agma Soloist Coalition, Middle Class Artist Blog, and the Yak Tracker community on Facebook. And the winner is... The Soloist Coalition! Which, I think I agree. They are... Breaking it in. <laughs> Breaking it in! Everyone's favorite group. Yay! Our nominations for the Best Virtual Training Program. The nominations were... Belcanto Bootcamp. Cooperative. Cindy Sadler's DIY Summer Program and Pittsburgh Festival Opera. The winners are Belcanto Bootcamp and Cooperative. It was a tie. Excellent. Congratulations. And then our last but not least category, we wanted to know what your favorite episode from season two was. And the winner of season two favorite, raking it in again, the Solos Coalition. Uh, definitely my favorite conversation from this season and probably one of the most important ones we've had. Yeah, I, I can't name a favorite, but it is clear to me that the work they are doing is so appreciated and so needed and fucking exciting. <laughs> it's been a year. Thank you guys so much for listening. We have appreciated this more than either of us can say yeah agreed thanks for sticking with us during this crazy second season and for all of your support and incredible feedback and we look forward to the future yeah, the future yeah the future <laughs> whatever it may hold yes keep listening keep sharing keep singing keep on music is not canceled thanks guys Bye.